Uh, as I said already, welcome to the well. We've just started a, a little series on our vision for this year and the direction we want to head and the things we want to accomplish. Um, we started that last week, and we're in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 11 specifically. And we're going to continue there tonight, so if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn there. Um, if you did not get a study sheet, we have some on that table. It looks like the other table got cleaned out. Good job, Ben. Good job handing those out. I don't know if you did that or not. But, <laughs> uh, but anyways, if you need one, they're, they're back there. Pens are back there. Keep the pens if you want. Uh, advertise. We are the well, and you're welcome here. So um, as, as uh, Zach said, my name's Matt Brocker. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to have the opportunity to lead in here. We love you guys. We're we're excited for this year. I think God's going to do some tremendous things, um, and we're excited to, to have more opportunities to serve, serve one another, serve the body, serve our community, and so that's, that's part of what we want to accomplish this year, and, and hopefully, you know, looking back last week, you know, we saw a few things in, in uh, Acts chapter 11 to where we want to join God where he's at work, right? We don't want to make up our own thing and ask God to come help us out. We want to find out where he's already doing something, and we want to get actively involved in what he's doing because we know when we get involved there, man, our efforts are multiplied, right? The results are, are multiplied, and uh, so we're going to look at that a little bit more tonight. Uh, just by way of introduction, how many of you have ever, now that you're officially adults, you're officially in this big people world, the real world, welcome to the real world, how many of you have ever had to fill out a job application? Right, so probably just about 100%, right? How many of you that have filled out a job application have had to go in for an interview? Right, just about everybody, right? The companies don't normally just hire you from a piece of paper, at least not anymore. I think I got my first job that way, but I think it was a paper route. <laughs> I filled out the thing, they called me and said, hey, you live in that neighborhood, you want to throw papers at doors? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That's the only reason I... Well, there's money in this, awesome. I just wanted to throw... Newspapers, all right. So if a company is interested in you, in, in what they see on the, the paper, they'll call you for an interview, they'll call you to come in. What is the purpose of that process? Right? They, they want to see if you have what it takes to do the job that they need done. Right? They have a, a job that needs done, and they need somebody to do it, and they need somebody to do it well, right? All right, so they want to know if you're worth investing their resources in, right? So if you don't know how this works, they give you money in order for you to make them more money, right? That, that's, the, that's the secret. I just let you in, right? <laughs> Surprise, they don't love you necessarily, right, immediately. You know, you may work for a great company who have, you know, incredible staff and, and you know, they're, they're going to invest in you in, in great ways. But most companies... Well, I say all companies are in the business of making money, right, for the boss man. Everybody else should make money underneath of him or her, but they're, they're, they're not out to make you money. They're out to make money for themselves. And so what they want to do is invest in you and get a return on their investment, right? Somehow, you know, normally the way that works is their investment is heavy up front, they're not going to make any money off of you when they have to spend extra time training and all of these extra things. That's just the way it works. But in the long term, they're hoping to get more money out of their investment, right? 
they're trying to find out if they invest in you, is it going to work out for them? And, and tonight's message, I'm, I'm, I'm calling qualified for the job or something like that. Yeah, qualified for the job. I can't remember what I put on there. And they want to know if you have the qualifications, first of all, to do the work. They want to know if you can do the work well. They want to know if, if you're going to be an asset to their company, right? And we saw that Barnabas was sent out. He wasn't just sent out at random. Barnabas met the qualifications for the job at hand in Antioch. Right? He was sent for reasons that are specified in what we'll see tonight. Back when Vinny was working for the Luigi and Mario Plumbing Company, I don't remember what it was called, I just, that's the only plumbers I know of. <laughs> Back when he was working with Mario and Luigi, right, what did you have to take to work with you each day? Tools, right? You had a big bag of awesome tools. Right? Some, some jobs, many jobs, require specific tools. And you can have all the right tools... If you don't know how to use them, are you any good to your boss? Right? If, if he requires you to, to sweat pipe and you don't know how to turn the torch on, you know, is he going to make any money off of you? It's, you're not going to have a job very long, right? There, there are tools required for many, many jobs. Right? And some, some jobs are awesome and they'll train you on the go as you go to make sure you're better at what you're doing. A lot of times that interview process is to know Man, can we skip that step and, and get right to making money off this guy or this girl, right? That's just the way it works, all right? And so if, if you have the tools, like Barnabas had the tools, and we'll see that in just a minute. He had the tools. He knew how to use them. He was qualified for the job they sent him to do, right? Some of us have a little bit of tools in our, our knowledge and understanding of God's word. Some of us need to keep working. Some of us are getting started in discipleship. That's awesome. Get the tools, make sure you know how to use them, and start using them in the lives of other people. Uh, I think I have a map on the, is there a map on the thing? There it, oh, that's terrible. I can't see any of it. All right, so this orange blur right here <laughs> says Israel, right? The purple blur below it is Jerusalem. And then up a little further is Syria. Can you see that blur? Just above that is Antioch, okay? So that, that's, that's just kind of a, a, just a little understanding of how far he had. Okay, stop looking at that. Let's go. You're, you're going to have eye problems after that. That was terrible. I'm sorry. I, I just grabbed the first. I, it was good on my screen. Um, anyways, that, that's kind of just a, a good reference so you know where Barnabas had to travel. It was a long way, right? And, and the, the job was really important, so he went ahead and, and went. Uh, go ahead and look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 11, verse 22. It says, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was, at, or which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Right? And we talked about that last week. We saw you know, that, that challenge that he left to those new believers there, right? And I find it interesting, maybe, maybe it's a good question for a, a Calvinist, how do you purpose in your heart when God makes you purpose in your heart? I don't, I don't think that works, right? How do you cleave to the Lord if he makes you do it, right? Verse 24, that's not the topic for tonight, it's just a thought I had. Verse 24, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added 
unto the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, it's a very simple passage. It's, it's just, you know, this guy was called and he went and this is why. And these are the results. And, and so, Lord, I do pray that we wouldn't miss the depth of what you have for us individually by the simplicity of the, the scripture. I'm thankful for the, the record of what Barnabas did and where he went and how he behaved himself and, and what you did through the whole situation. And I just pray that we would get personal vision, personal understanding of what you have for each and every one of us this year. Uh, Lord, we want to be a part of what you're doing, and we want to uh, reap the rewards, and we want to enjoy the blessings along with glorifying your name. Uh, we're thankful that you want to include us, and uh, we just want to get in on what you have planned. Uh, we love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so as I said, and, and as you can see in your first point, there were certain job requirements, right? There were certain job requirements for them to decide to send Barnabas, right? Barney's going to go on a trip only because Barney's qualified to go on the trip and do the work that he's called to do. Some jobs require that, that you have certain tools. We already mentioned that. All employers, if they care, are also going to be looking for certain character qualities, right? They don't just want to know if you have the tools, know how to use the tools, and are going to make them money. If they genuinely care, they want you to make their company look good because you have good character, right? You have good attributes to bring to the workplace. You're going to make other people around you work better because you're a good worker, right? The same holds true for what was going on here. The job was to go and see what was happening in the city of Antioch, to find out if people were really getting saved like they had heard, and, and we'll see next week, to encourage and to teach the new believers that he was going to find. All right, so some of those qualifications we see from the passage, the first one is that he was a good man. It says Barnabas was just that. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And so there are the, the qualifications that we're going to look at those specifically. Uh, Psalm 14, 1 through 3 says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. In and of ourselves, you know, we may say, look, man, I, I'm a good person. God's going to be okay with me in the long run because I do more good things than I've done bad, and that's just not how God's economy works, right? God is the only one that's good, it says in the book of Matthew. So how can we get in on actually being good? Well, you've got to measure it the way God measures it. You've got to define the term the way God defines the term. Good doesn't mean good like we know it. Good means righteous. Good means right, right? Uh, Romans 3.12 says, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. We see God's goodness all throughout Scripture. Almost every single time you see the word goodness, and it's in there a lot, I, d I didn't get the exact number, but almost every single time it's referring to an attribute of God. It doesn't say these people are full of goodness. No, God is always the one full of goodness. We see it in Exodus 8, 9, 18, 9. Uh, Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done. 
Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Right? This goodness is an attribute of God. Romans 2, 4, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Right? Did you know it's not God necessarily coming down on you hard that's going to lead you to repentance? It's because he's good and he's righteous, right? Jeff talked on Sunday about the job of the Spirit to be to draw men by convicting them of sin and righteousness and judgment, right? He's a good God and he's pointing out so that you don't have to go to hell, so that you don't have to miss out. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good. Right? He has just contrasted evil and good. Well, we know that. You know, I've, I, I learned that in the Marvel movies, right? It's always good versus evil. No, he, he's talking about wickedness in contrast with righteousness. Right? It's not just good. When I think of good, I think of nice. He's just a good guy. No, no, God's not just a good guy. He is the only one who's good. He is the only one perfect and righteous and pure. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 lists for us the fruit that comes from having the Spirit of God active in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Without the Spirit of God, you don't, even get to be good. He says there's none righteous. There's none that doeth good. We've all fallen, fallen away, right? We've all fallen short. But with his spirit, with a, a healthy relationship with the Lord, we, we have access to that goodness. So Barnabas was a good man. What's the measure of a good man? Barnabas was a saved man, right? Barnabas had the Holy Spirit alive and active in his life. And we see that in letter B, he was full of the Holy Ghost, it says. Right? So the fruit of the Spirit is the same as the fruit of the Holy Ghost. It's just another term that the Bible uses. And this, this whole aspect of being full of the Holy Ghost is, is something that's very misunderstood within Christianity today. Right? Most people hear about being filled, and they think along the lines of getting more of something. Right? I've got to go to the gas station and fill my tank. Right? I'm thirsty, so I'm going to fill a glass with water. That's, that's not the way that the Bible uses this term. I think I've got a picture. Hopefully this one's not as blurry. Yeah, that's much better. All right, so in sailing, they would, they would say that those sails are full. The, the, the caption on the picture on the Internet where I found this said, Tall ship, full sails. <laughs> that's how I found it, right? So... It's, it's not that the, the sails get more or less of the air. When a sail is full, it is because they've turned the ship in the direction the wind is blowing. All of the wind is already there. And if you're saved, if you have a relationship with Christ, and he is your Lord and Savior, all of the Spirit is already there. And he's moving in a direction. The wind is moving at a, in a direction, and it's all there. It's a matter of turning your ship or turning your life in the direction he's moving so that he can push you along, right? It's a matter of submission. Being full of the Spirit is not about getting more or less. You got it all. 
It's just the question, are you submitted to his leading? Right? Are you going the direction he's going? That's why last week we said, man, I don't want to try to get God convinced to join me in my mission, in my work. I want to join him where he's at because that's the direction the wind's blowing. Right? That's, the, that's the direction the Spirit is moving. We see this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, is, is being drunk, is, is it more or less? Is it because you've got all the alcohol that you can hold? I'm, I'm drunk with wine? <laughs> no, it doesn't even make sense, right? You're drunk with wine when you're out of control, right? You have lost control of your own ability to, to do and make good decisions, right? You are no longer in your own control. You are under the control of some substance. You are drunk with wine, you, and he contrasts that with being full of the Spirit. Don't be under control of some substance. Be submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what being full of the Spirit means. And that's why Barnabas was a great uh, you know, he, he was a great guy to fill the role that was needed here. Luke 4.1 says, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was submitted to the Father who used the Spirit to lead him. Even when Christ was full of the Spirit, it wasn't a, it wasn't a measured thing, you know, I got a quarter tank, fill me up, God, and I'll go where you you want me to go? No, it's, it's total submission to God's leading. It's total submission, and he uses the Spirit to guide. So it, it makes total sense. Acts 4.31, it says, they, When they had prayed, the place was shaken, and they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Being filled with the Holy Ghost here is connecting you know, the word of God and you delivering it with boldness. Not because you got more of the spirit, but because when God is in control, what goes forth? His word goes forth, right? When God is in control of your life, your life is all about his word. And it's in total agreement with it. Acts chapter five, we see the opposite. Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Is it because he, he filled up the tank with Satan? No, he was selfish and under Satan's control, right? He had so deceived himself and lied to himself that he was following and submitted to the wrong Lord. All right, and the third thing that it says about Barnabas is, what, is that he was full of faith, right? And if we use the same definition for full here, we're saying that he was controlled by faith, which is a entirely possible because are you controlled by your faith or are you controlled by your emotions well it depends on what day it is depends on what i'm going through depends on how i feel no you you can be submitted to faith are you controlled by faith or are you controlled by what the world says is true are you controlled by what god says or what you think you're missing out on so faith what is it would be your next blank what what is faith Hebrews 11, 1 through 9 tells us what it is, and it gives us some really cool examples to, to see it in the lives of some individuals. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
So we can see that faith has something to do with sight, but it's, it's the opposite. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And here's some examples. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, uh, by which he obtained, uh, obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being yet dead, speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was found, or was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So in each of these examples, we see something hoped for that these individuals could not yet see. Right? But they believed it. How do we know they believed it? They, they took action. Right? based upon this hope. The evidence was their action. How do I know they believed? Well, they did something. That's how I know they believed. And later, we see it come true. Romans 4.20, talking about Abraham. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So faith is the ability to hear what God says and believe not only that he's capable of coming through on his promise, but that he actually will. Right? What, a crazy, what a crazy thought that is. I mean, I'm just dumb enough to believe this stuff. This is awesome. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We saw this last week. What does faith say about that? Right? Is he going to finish the work in you that he's begun? He says he is. How does that impact your actions? So on your sheet, faith is proving God right with your actions. Right? God's going to prove himself right anyways. Let every man be a liar, right? Let God be true and every man a liar, it says in Romans. Right? Faith is just proving God right with your actions. Taking action that you believe what he said, and let's just go ahead and stick with that from the beginning, right? So that's what faith is. Where do we get it? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes from God's word, from hearing God's word. And so I have on your sheet, you know, this is, this is basically, there was, you know, some spies sent into the land, and only two of them came back and said, if God said it, let's go get it right? That's, that's what they said. If God said it, let's go get it. He made a promise, and I'm banking on that promise. That's what faith says. Everybody else says the giants are too big. We can't go in. 
So what does faith do? 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, here's the contrast, but in the power of God. It connects us with God's power, right? Faith detaches you from the wisdom of men and connects you with God's power because you're in agreement with what he said. It's always connected to his word. Matthew 9.22 says, but Jesus turned him about and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Right? A woman placed her faith in Christ and received healing. Our faith makes us whole. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please God. So faith thereby, you know, by contrast, does please God. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Faith saves James 2, 17 and 18 says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Right? That entire list of individuals, how did we know they had faith? Because it moved them to action. So, the question, what does it do? What does faith do? Faith works. Faith is an action word. Faith moves you to action. If you actually believe what God says, you're going to do something with what he's instructed you in. You're going to react to what he's shown you. If you don't believe, you'll be the one who looked in the mirror and walked away and forgot what you saw, as it tells us in James. Right, I use this example all the time. If I, if I told you that someone was breaking into your car right now, if you believed me, you wouldn't just sit here and look at me unless you wanted an insurance claim or something. Oh, sweet. If you believed me, if you had faith in my words, you would do something. God's warning is a whole lot more important than somebody messing with your car. Right? God's instruction is so much more important that if you believe him, it will move you to action. And the fourth thing that is a requirement for the job is that you be recognized by your leadership. Right? We can't miss this little fact that you know, Barnabas didn't just decide he wanted to go on vacation to Antioch and use the excuse that I hear there's Christians up there, I'll go visit them. Right? It wasn't just his plan, it wasn't his idea, it was confirmed by his leadership. They were looking for those first three qualifications, and they saw them, right? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> if you are convinced right, that, that you have those qualifications and nobody's noticing, don't take it upon yourself to just go, right? It's a bad, bad decision. Wait. You may absolutely have those qualifications, but you also want to be in God's timing. Right? And God's going to confirm his timing through your leadership. He's, he's going to help you out. If you actually have what he wants, the job qualifications, he's going to get you to the job. The job may not be ready for you yet, and you may actually not be as ready as you think you are for the job. Right? He's going to make sure you get there if you're doing what he's called you to do. Acts eleven twenty one and 22, this is the, the verses prior. 
It says that the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of them believed, right, and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas. Who? Well, who was left in Jerusalem was the leadership of the original church. Everybody else scattered when the persecution happened. Titus 1.5 says, For this cause left I thee in Crete. What was the cause that Paul left Titus there? That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. Right? There's a chain of command, and there's a reason for that. God has proven Paul. Paul has proven Titus. Titus is going to go and prove the leaders and make sure that they're ready for the roles, that they're fulfilling these other requirements that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God require for them to, to fulfill those roles that they're going to fulfill. Right? Titus was appointed by Paul to do that. And it was because his leadership was recognized by somebody who was already walking with the Spirit of God, full of the Spirit and full of faith. All right, so that, those are the requirements for the job. The second point we're going to see is the results of a job well done, right? You can't do a job well if you don't have the tools and you don't have the character and you don't have the desire, right? You can have all that stuff and still butcher the job. <laughs> but if you don't have that stuff, you can't do the job. If you do the job well... The outcome is an effectual outcome. It's an effectual outcome. <clears throat> because we see that, that many people came to the Lord because of the work that Barnabas did. He was just going up to see if anybody was getting saved there. And by going and doing what he and Paul did, and we'll see this next week, by doing what they did, a whole bunch more are coming to the Lord. Massive success. An effectual outcome is, is a, an outcome that has its intended effect, right? You set out to do something, and it happens. This is what happens when you get involved with God. His intended effect comes through. Ephesians 3, 7 says, Whereof I was, or, I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. The power of God worked in such a way inside the life of Paul that he was made an able minister. Right? He was made a minister according to the gift of the grace that was given to him. He was able to do the job that God set him out to because God's power works effectually. 1 Corinthians 16.9, a great door... And effectual is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. Right? Why would there be adversaries? Because it's an effectual door that's opened. God's intended effect is going to happen if Paul walks through that door. Of course there's going to be enemies. Because the enemy wants to stop that effect. Galatians 2.8 For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, that would be the Jewish nation, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Did you see that? Effectual, mighty. That's a pretty cool comparison, isn't it? Right? The effectual work. First, Corinth or First Thessalonians 2.13, one of my favorite passages. 
For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Right? They placed their faith in the word of God, not like some people brought this to them and made it up, and you know, that's just stories, that's just old you know, wives' tales. No, that's the word of God. And when they placed their faith in the word of God, what happened? It effectually worketh also in you that believe. Right? The faith doesn't just put you to work, it goes to work inside of you. It changes who you are. When you believe what God says and you start aligning your life to his truth, he starts making changes on the inside. He starts making you more like his son. He starts aligning you with his mission. And he starts sending his word out through you. It effectually works in you that believe. And the awesome thing is if you look at that passage, Paul knew that it was working in them because it was working in not just the people that they shared with, but the people that they shared with that they shared with. Those people were lining their lives up with God because down the chain, everybody was believing this actually is the word of God. This actually is true. This is God's instruction for my life. Man, I got to get in line with that because he created this life. I think he knows what he's talking about. If I line myself up with that, I wonder what will happen. Everybody's changing down the line. That's what happened. Acts chapter 6, 1 through 8, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So the, the church is multiplying and they can't keep up with the needs of the people. So they've got a real big problem. They're not sure what to do. Verse 2, it says, The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, right? We need to continue to study God's word and have vision and direction from God. Who's going to take care of these people? There's real needs here. Who's going to help us out to help them out, right? He says, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. We've seen that. Whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, uh, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and uh, Timon, Timon and Pumbaa, is that? <laughs> Timon, Timon, I'm not sure, Parmenius, uh, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid, on their, uh, laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased. You've got a group of men full of, of the Holy Ghost and full of faith, good men likely, just like Barnabas, the result is that the word of God increases. Right? It goes forth. People are believing it. People are being changed. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Do you know what happens when you go find God at work and you join him and you have all of the qualifications, I've got it on your sheet this way. If you do God's work, God's way, with the tools God provides and the heart God desires, you will achieve God's promised results. It's a lot of words. <laughs> if you do God's work, God's way, with the tools God provides and the heart God desires, you will achieve God's promised results. 
And actually, God will achieve his promised results, and he'll just use you to accomplish it. And it's a great privilege to serve. Last week, we saw John 10.10, where the thief cometh to, to steal and to kill and destroy, but Christ says, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, right? That's the abundant life. When you're involved in the mission he has specifically for you, his plan for you, and you get to, to do it his way with his tools, and he gets his glory, and his name is magnified by you just being involved. It's awesome. So if we at the well, if, if we at First Baptist Church are going to accomplish what God has planned for us in 2019, we have to get to work where God is working. If we're going to be effective in the work that God has for us, we need to be a man or a woman like Barnabas. Right? We need to be consumed with righteousness. We need to be good. We, not just nice. We need to be good by the biblical definition of good. We need to be consumed with righteousness. We need to, the Spirit of God and the Word of God have to be calling the shots in our lives. Right? And if nobody's noticed and you've checked all three of those boxes, just keep doing it. As soon as you take matters into your own hands, you've stopped doing that. Right? You're no longer full of faith when you need to take control of the wheel. You're no longer full of faith when, when you need to call the shots because nobody's noticing that, that I, I, I am that guy. I'm basically Barney 2.0. Like, nobody's noticing. But just keep at it. Right? Just keep doing those things. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of his calling. He's not looking for you to count you worthy. He's looking for you to be worthy so he can count you. Count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. I want to be counted worthy. Romans 15 14 says, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. So here's the question. Are you able? Well, I don't know. I, I don't feel able. I don't know all the answers. I don't. Well, are you, are you working to find out the answers? Are you being discipled? Are you working toward that end? Right? Do you know how to use the tools he's given you thus far? If not, figure it out. Right? There, there are people, there are processes, there's a way to, to learn and grow. If you have the tools and you've had them for a long time and you don't remember how to use them, don't be so prideful that you don't ask. Right? Don't, don't just sit back and say, well, if I don't, if I don't step up and, and do this, you know, nobody will know that I don't know how. Look, we, we need to get involved in God's work. Don't let 2019 fly past you because you were too prideful to, to just say, I, I want to learn more, I want to grow. Somebody might find out that I don't know how to share the gospel. Well, let's figure it out. It's worth it. It is worth it. Romans 10, 13 through 17, and we'll... We'll finish here in a second. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. 
He says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? There's all kinds of steps for us to take to get the word out, right? If you don't feel equipped, get equipped. You may not feel equipped because you just never open your mouth. <laughs> you know, you can, you can theorize all the things that somebody's going to say to you in return when you start sharing the gospel. You can try and figure it all out ahead of time. You're actually never going to know unless you open your mouth. And guess what? It's probably going to be different than what you thought. But guess what else? It's going to be okay. Because you're sharing the gospel and God's word does not go out and return void. It's going to work in their life. Even if they say, that's nonsense, I want nothing to do with it. Guess what you just did? You planted truth in their life. They have to do something with it. They can deny it. That's their right. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So two questions. Have you called upon the name of the Lord for salvation? If the answer is no, man, you don't want to wait any longer. Make tonight the beginning of your relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord. If you have, I have another question. Who is going to get the, etern- the opportunity to hear the words of life because you're going to get your tools and get to work? Maybe your tools need sharpened. We can do that. That means we get to work. Maybe you don't know how to use them. Well, then we need to get to work. We need to learn. And that's okay. That's exactly where you're at. It's, it's, not, an, you know, it's, it's not an allegation against you. It's just the truth. Where are you? Be honest about where you are and let's move forward. We need to get our hearts and our priorities to match that of Barnabas so that we can have our work multiplied by the Lord and enjoy that fulfilling life with the Lord. So that someday when when we stand at that judgment seat, we can be excited about what we're going to hear. And we can be excited about who else is going to be there and what they're going to hear instead of dreading the fact that we wasted another year, five years, whatever it may be. You guys, I, I tease because you're now in the, in the real world. You're now adults. Very soon, let me just tell you, this calendar thing flies by faster than you ever want it to. Once you get a full-time job, once you get that career, once you finish college, once that, that spouse comes into your life, time is a vapor. It absolutely just fleets right past you. And before you know it, you're in charge of the church. You're the deacons. You're all the teachers. You're the leaders. Are you going to be equipped? Are you going to be capable? capable? Not, not if you do nothing now. It'll just be another year of not knowing anything. It'll just be another year of not following what he's called you to do. He wants to equip you for greater things. He's got great things for you right now. And it just takes steps of faith. Do you believe that he's not finished working in you? What are you going to do about it? Let's pray.
Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you do want to use <laughs> us. We're all so messed up. We're selfish. We're, we're distracted. But you don't care. You just want willing hearts. You're not looking for people with all the answers. You're looking for people to where you can make up the difference because that's your specialty. We give some effort and you multiply it and you make up the difference and you get all the credit anyway because you deserve it. Lord, I pray that this song is, is glorifying to you and I pray even more so that our decisions from this point forward are the same. That our decisions would glorify you and that our decisions would put your name out there, that you put your word out in front of other people. I pray that you use us. Uh, we humble ourselves and we're so thankful that you want to. In Christ's name I pray, amen.